Welcome to the Enrooted Podcast, the land owner podcast to empower you with inspiration, new perspectives, and quick tips for your land management journey. So this month is all about fire, all right? And if you listen to last week's podcast, you'll hear the four questions I always ask when someone asks me, should they use fire? Should you use fire on your land? And I highly recommend going back and listening to that podcast if you have been inquiring and trying to figure out if fire is a good tool for you to start implementing on your land. But today we are going to be talking about the three techniques you can use to string fire on your land. Now you may be also be thinking like, well, don't you just kind of like light a match and just put the fire out there or use that like a torch thingy, right? And drip fire lines, like isn't that how it works? Well, it's a bit more complicated than that, all right? So the three different ways that you could potentially strip fire, and honestly, you're gonna be using a combination of these across your entire landscape, but they each hold a purpose, and I'm gonna go through the very basics of this. Now, if you really wanna dive into fire, there's actually this new Southeastern Fire Prescribed Burning Handbook, guidebook out there that's published by a whole bunch of different cooperatives and I'm going to link that PDF or link that access to that PDF, that resource, and it's very, very thorough and I do highly recommend going and checking that out. But what are the three techniques to actually string a fire on your land? They are called a head fire, a backing fire, and a flank fire, okay? So when might you do each one of these things? And we're gonna be going into those different techniques. So first off, your head fire, okay? Head fires tend to be your fastest moving, fastest going fires out there because they are moving literally with the wind. You take a line of fire and you are wanting the fire to move in the same direction that that wind is going. So say the wind is moving north, you want that fire to move north, you would start lighting a line of fire that the uh, wind is going to carry with it. Why is that your fastest moving fire? Well, if it wasn't obvious, it's because they literally have the power of the wind. And depending on how fast that wind is going, will determine how quickly that fire is going to move. Now, you usually will use this um, to try to get fire to move through an area very, very quickly. And you're like, well, yeah, you just said that. Now, let me say, like, you don't want fire sitting on the ground that long. You don't want a slow moving fire in these areas. Perhaps you just want to get that light burn. This is great for your new longleaf seedlings that you just planted on the ground. You really don't want fire hanging around those trees, but you know you also need to get fire to stimulate them to actually start popping up and growing. So a head fire is used very often. It kind of does a very quick top burn. It usually will not consume absolutely everything unless it's a very, very dry um, season or something like that because the fire is just kind of moving through. It's burning up a good bit of the fuel that's out there, but not absolutely everything. It's just a very, very quick way to get fire across the landscape. Now, the second one, which is literally the complete opposite of this, is your backing fire, okay? This is where fire is literally moving against the wind direction, which seems a little contrary. Like, how is it possible that fire is able to do this? Well, usually it is because you're going to have some type of fire break, some type of line that fire is not going to be able to cross to continue moving with the wind. And so therefore that fire starts eating up the fuel in that opposite direction. So it's going literally against the wind. And because of this, this is your slowest moving fire. Now you may be asking like, well, why would I want a fire to move that slowly? Why would I even bother doing this? 
Usually, most prescribed burns are actually started using a backing fire, and this is to make sure that everything is going to burn up, that the weather is going to act this uh, the way you want it to. It's a way for you to kind of test what fire is doing on that stand with those fuel loads, with the weather conditions, without more or less biting off more than you can chew. Because say, for example, the weather conditions are making your fire act a little bit more erratically than you anticipated it doing. With the backing fire, you're able to get in front of it a lot more quickly, a lot more effectively to put in either another fire break or to put it out. If you were to do that with your head fire, it would be burning way too quickly, and especially with that power of the wind up front, you would have a harder time to stop it or control it before it went further into the stand than you wanted. So most prescribed burns are started with that backing fire. And what that also does, it also increases your fire break length because you now have this burned area, which is often uh, referred to as like safety zones or safety areas because fire is not able to consume that that black burn area nearly as much. Um, think about when you have your charcoal at the bottom of the grill, you can throw fire back on it, but it's really not going to combust again until you put something new and dry back on it to actually catch fire because all you're left with are these ashes and embers. So that you can think of your back burn as the same way. It does move much more slowly, therefore it consumes what's there and is going to be a much more complete burn sometimes. Sometimes, it, <laughs> depending on your fuel load again, it can also be a little bit more erratic because back burns require a lot more energy and so they can die out very quickly if you don't have consistent fuel loads, if you have really patchy grass areas. And so this is not necessarily the type of burn that you would want to do across the entire stand because it would take just forever. But it is something you start with and it usually is something that you will use if you are trying to also be very, very careful. So for example, if your stand has never been burned before, you have a very thick duff layer, maybe it's you know several inches of pine straw or leaf litter that has been built up, you do not want to consume that all at once because you might accidentally burn your roots, your feeder roots, which um, have naturally risen to the top, maybe a little bit closer and kind of started growing within that duff layer to try to get the waters and nutrients. So you don't want to take all of those inches at once. So your your um, back burn is a good way for it to kind of just take off that top layer and then keep moving through very, very slowly, a little bit more controlled, a little bit less intense. Now, the only caveat is I keep using this word less intense. It does sit you know, in one spot for a while. So it will slowly burn and can be a little bit more quote unquote intense in some cases. So your very young trees and your young plants, it can actually do a lot more harm because it is burning on them for so long. So you don't necessarily want to do this back burn on those young long leaf pine seedlings because you're going to have that fire stay on those, um, that bud and you don't want the fire to stay on that bud. You really just want that fire to swoop right over it as quickly as possible while also being effective. And so your back burn for your newly planted long leaves is really just to give you that extra fire break. It's best used in your more mature stands. And then the last is your flanking fire, all right? So your flanking fire is your in-between. It's literally the fire that kind of goes sideways. So we talked about fire moving with wind, fire moving against wind. This is fire that goes perpendicular to wind. Now, 
if you think of a square, if you start on the bottom and you start at the top, you have your wind. These would be the fires that you light on the sides that are moving inwards. A lot of times these are kind of um, stringed you know, into the stand and you'll have multiple people in a line that are stringing your fire together. And it's to a way to have kind of a mix of back burning and head fires all at the same time. And they're going to meet up periodically, but it's a way to create more or less multiple burned out areas. So it's a good way to split up a large acreage of stand without lighting it all at once where the head fire could get a little bit more out of control. It's a great way if you have high fuel loads to again, kind of break the stand up. If for example, you're not able to put in a ton of different fire breaks, doing these flanking fires is going to provide you different burned out areas that is going to slow down the fire. You'll have these intensities where two flanking fires might meet up and they'll get very, very hot, but then they'll die back down because they are literally running back into something that has already been burned. So it's a great way to kind of just like enclose the entire square we're using here for an example um, to, to get a very, very effective burn while it's controlled or at least as in control as we possibly can. So these are your three techniques. Very, very quick, very basic reasonings of when you might do it, how they act, especially with wind, because most of the times when you are stringing fire, you're doing it in considerations with the wind, with the wind back against the wind or sideways against the wind. Those are pretty much your only options here. Now, how do you decide which one of these ways are you going to do and which ways are you going to start with? Well, this is where your resources come in. And I highly recommend using those local wildland firefighting resources in your local forestry county agents and units because according to proverbs 20 18 plans are established by seeking advice and of course it goes on and says so if you wage war obtain guidance and i would say so if you wage fire if you plan to burn obtain guidance they're going to be able to look at your property understand what weather indicators you need to have to burn safely on your property on your land based on your fuel conditions which is everything that's going to burn underneath your timber type and your goals then they will also be able to look and strategize the best way to string and lay out fire on the land so if you've been feeling intimidated of, is this the right move? How do I go about this? You can breathe a little bit easier and understand that I am not asking you to do this on your own. I do not want you to do this on your own. I do not advise doing this on your own unless you have multiple, multiple years of experience. And even then, the best burn managers I know usually will still recruit other experts, other experiences to help them burn on their land. So use your local resources. But now you should have a little bit better understanding when they're talking about starting on different parts of your stand. You can understand why they seem to be lighting that fire so slowly to begin with. And then they send units maybe down the road or across the stand to start lighting fire over there. You have a little bit better ideas and concepts of what they're doing and how that is strategically helping you get the most effective and safe burn on your land. Until next time.